Hello and welcome to another edition of Across the States, the premier state policy podcast from the American Legislative Exchange Council. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. Joining me today is Hannah Yahorova, activist in the United Civic Party of Belarus, a center-right pro-democracy movement. She also serves as director of United Mass Media and is a Hubert H. Humphrey Fellow at Syracuse University. Also, we have Carla Jones, Senior Director of Alex Federalism and International Relations Task Force. Today, we will discuss the diversion of Ryanair Flight 4978 to Minsk following the arrest of pro-democracy activist Roman Protasevich. We'll go into the geopolitical implications of the incident and how the West should respond. Carla, Hannah, welcome to Across the States. How are you guys doing today? Great. Thank you for having me here. Things are going great, and thanks a lot for putting this together, Matt. Well, it's great to have you both on, and I'm now going to throw it over to Carla to kick things off with the questions. Go ahead, Carla. Hi, Hannah. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us and to help our members understand what's been happening in Belarus. This week has had me on edge and probably more concerned about Eastern Europe than I've been basically since Russia's annexation of Crimea. And I know our members are going to appreciate your insights. So let's start with the basics. How did we get here? As I'm sure you know, Americans barely understand our own history, much less other countries' histories. Could you give us a brief post-Cold War lesson on how Belarus went from Soviet Republic to a sovereign state led by Alexander Lukashenko? Sure. So first of all, Belarus actually has a very long history of being independent or together with their Western countries in unions. It was the Greek Dutch of Lithuania in 16th and 15th century. Then it was a union with Poland. And only in 19th century, we actually have been part of Russia. And then more than 100 years ago, together with our neighbors like Lithuania, like Latvia, Estonia, we also gained independence, but only for a short period of time. It was a 19... 18th, 25th of March. Actually, we call it Independence Day of Belarus. But then again, we were on the influence on Russia and part of their Soviet space, one of the Soviet Republic, Republic, Soviet Republic of Belarus. And actually, we also gained independence as all the states after the resolving of uh, uh, Soviet Union in early 90s. So we got our independence, everything was okay. We declared that we are a democratic state and we are going to stay democratic forever. And okay, it was 91 and 94. It was the first presidential elections and Alexander Lukashenko won. And since then, we never had any other president ever. So more than 26 years, the same single president who became from the just you know strong young leader from the beginning who was really popular in Belarus why because his agenda was to be super independent to be pro democratic to be pro national first of all to make our economy stronger and to fight corruption so in 26 years single power led to absolutely incredible corruption inside the authorities, like on the high level. Still, he didn't want the corruption in the country. Economy is pretty bad right now. So 26 years, we're struggling to live better, but it'll never happen. Actually, now we 
kind of live living worse even compared to our closer neighbors. So unfortunately, our history is showing to everyone that the strong leader, so-called, you know, and super concentrated power in one hand never lead to something good. It's always going pretty bad for citizens and for population in general. I couldn't agree with you more on that. The 2020 Belarusian presidential elections are widely seen as fraudulent by the international community and were pretty chaotic. Basically, Lukashenko jails one political opponent only to have him replaced by the opponent's wife, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya. Did I get that pronunciation correct? Absolutely. Can you give us an overview of last year's Belarusian presidential elections? Let us know who you think the real victor was at the polls and let us know what Svetlana Tikhanovskaya is doing now. Mm -hmm. You know what? Never was expected something like happened this like last summer and last autumn. Why? Because Belarusians were well known as people who are waiting for something better, but nothing really doing something serious. So we didn't expect massive uh, protest or some kind of pretty massive demonstrations against the government. But what happened? Actually, um, repressions for opponents of the current president started before the election day. Actually, it happened kind of one year ago, uh, strong repressions. Very prominent and popular candidates to be candidates, presidential candidates, were arrested before even the election day. And for example, husband of Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, he was arrested before. It's happened maybe in June or July last year. And Svetlana never wanted to run the campaign. Her husband supposed to do this, but in real life, all the political sphere was cleaned up by Lukashenko. He tried to make everything possible to have no opponents at all, like real opponents during this election campaign. So Svetlana decided to run instead of her husband and did it super successful. Uh, the question is why Lukashenko allowed her to do so. I will explain you. This is a very super traditional, old-fashioned man who still thinks that lady, like woman, female, is nothing, is not serious. Like Belarus will never be elect any women as a president. It's just impossible, you know. Her role is to raise kids, at, sit in the kitchen and do like, you know, soups. That's, that's all, nothing more serious than that. that. And he committed his first mistake. He allowed, like, he gave you a chance to be registered. And that was a, you know, very good sign for all the people who wanted change. Like finally, you know, for this longest period of time, 26 years, people just decided, okay, it will be the sign of freedom. We were going to unite to support Svetlana because like no, nothing else. We don't want the Lukashenko anymore. And it was a huge campaign of solidarity. And, you know, like, I remember it was a pretty shocking. I came to their uh, electoral office and everybody, like a strong, long queue of people waiting to vote, 
wearing like a, I have a black one, but it was like only white bracelets on a hand. What does it mean actually? It was like online campaign. If you're voting for Svetlana, you should wear this white bracelet. Like everybody in this queue, only in white bracelets. So all the people showed like enormous solidarity campaign and what it, it was so visible. It was so clear that Lukashenko is losing his chances. Of course, COVID also influenced because he ignored, he was like a strong, uh, how to say, COVID dissident, right? Like some someone who denied COVID at all. So he didn't give a chance for our hospitals to be ready to help this money with everything. So actually people were angry for COVID silence for a long time and also for massive uh, pressure and repression before election day. And in general, economical situation was not very stable and nice. So that's why people just united for Svetlana. And what happened next? Svetlana won. And even if you will go to the special service, like on like counting of votes, Golas, I will share a link with you so you can you can find also English version of the report. Svetlana won on the majority of polling stations this day. Maybe I'm talking too much, but in the end of this day, uh, <laughs> what happened? People stayed at the polling stations to see what happened next, to be sure that all the votes will be counting in a right way, but it never happened. What happened? Police came to every polling station and evacuated people who served there. I mean, workers and the official commission members. And we never saw who counted votes, in which way, how it's possible. Lukashenko was announced as a winner with 82 or 85 percent of votes, which is incredible. And it's never happened because, you know, come on. Official results, we made um, alternative voting. Official results show that uh, Svetlana definitely received more than 50% of votes. Even if you're taking into account regional, like not central, not urban area, but just a rural one, it should be the second tour, but it's never happened. That's why the main reason why the massive and long-term protests happened and started. That's an incredible and inspirational democratic story. And no, you're not talking too long. I'm really enjoying hearing this. Where is Svetlana Tikhanovskaya now? And how are things in Belarus now in terms of political repression, the economy? Have things gotten worse since the elections? Unfortunately, Svetlana was forced to move out of the country, and she is in Lithuania now. Uh, Lithuanian government gave her chance to make an office in Vilnius and uh, use also special like security measures to be safe outside of Belarus. And now her office and her team, they all stay in Lithuania. Unfortunately, after the election day, a huge wave of immigration happened. And it was clear that Lukashenko is going to, to follow up and prosecute almost everyone who is against him. So people started to immigrate more than ever before. Because I have been in activism more than 15 or even 18 years already. 
and I never saw such a big wave of immigration. As for me, for example, I forced to live with a small kid out of Belarus to Poland. And it was not my decision because I didn't really want it. I was forced to do this because I'm worried about my family and my kid and myself as well. Because a lot of my friends, my colleagues, my buddies, they're arrested. They're in prisons for very long terms. A few days ago, my colleagues were arrested for seven years in, in a special exiso colony with a strong regime for seven years. But for, for what? For being bloggers. And probably, as you heard the recent story with the Roman Protasevich, who was uh, <laughs> Ryanair flight was landed for him just in order to arrest him. He's also a blogger. So who is the main enemy of Lukashenko right now? Journalists and bloggers, even not politicians. Because, you know, he killed or whatever, something happened with all the political leaders in this country. There's nothing inside the country. Everybody forced to immigrate or not alive anymore. Uh, recently, um, activists died in prison, actually, just a few days ago. And two days ago, we saw that it happened not in normal way because a lot of signs that this death was not just ordinary death of someone in prison. He was probably beaten and something else happened to him. So unfortunately, the story is pretty bad right now and everybody should, should think about own safety and work from abroad. I'm really sorry to hear about what happened to your friends and to the other activists in Belarus. You brought up Roman Protasevich, and I guess now it's time to fast forward to Sunday, May 23rd. Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary described what happened as state-sponsored piracy. Would you mind giving us a brief overview of what happened with the Ryanair flight where Protasevich was a passenger? And were you shocked by what happened? Because to me, as much as I don't think highly at all of President Lukashenko, I was surprised that he would go to that length. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course, I'm going to share the main information. So Ryanair flight, the plane flew from Athens to Vilnius. However, during the flight over the Belarusian territory, uh, <laughs> information was received that the liner is kind of mined. And and decision to land the plane was actually made by the Belarusian authorities. And of course, uh, all the international society is pretty sure that it was not because of bombing danger. It's because of uh, Roman Protasevich be, being on board. Roman Protasevich is a personal enemy of uh, Alexander Lukashenko. Why? Because he's a blogger and one of the co-founder of the Nexta Telegram channel. Because Telegram is a main media channel right now in Belarus. Since many, many, many independent outlets, newspapers and uh, sites are just blocked in Belarus. You couldn't see, you couldn't open this resource. And maybe you heard about Tutbai. This is like a biggest online media in Belarus. He just killed it one week ago. Um, but coming back to, uh, to Roman Protasevich. So he just had vacation with his girlfriend in Greece. 
and came back to Vilnius because right now he has an office in Vilnius and working from there. And uh, maybe it was a mistake from his side. He didn't think that it could be dangerous to fly via airspace of Belarus. But, you know, who can think about it? You're just flying from one European country to another European country, the Europeans and Americans on the board. And somehow, probably with the help of the very strong security services, uh, Belarus has decided to land this plane. And they did it when the plane was on the border with Lithuania. Just, you know, it was much more closer to Vilnius airport than to Minsk. So it was forced to land, actually. And we have a lot of evidence. And the uh, Ryanair director, probably know he announced that it was a hijacking act. So it was definitely not according to the international law. It was just a hijacking. And what happened to Roman and his, not only him, but also his girlfriend. So it's, it's all, only not only about, you know, political activists. It's always includes some family members. So it's trying to make situation for you as an activist as worse as possible. So his uh, girlfriend was also arrested. And I told to his lawyer, yesterday and we don't know still and lawyer doesn't know where is Roman and his girlfriend uh, maybe in KGB prison maybe in hospital maybe in season number one but no confirmation and nobody saw him alive or active like nothing we really worried about him and yesterday was a press conference of his ex-colleague from next telegram channel and we really want a European and American solidarity and helping us to to save him, to save Roman, because we were in for his life, not only uh, his uh, health. It's a pretty dangerous situation because we don't really understand how bad situation could be in Belarus, especially in Belarusian prison, since activists are dying there. So I also trying to use this. Um, Time to say that it's not the ordinary situation. We definitely need to save people's life in Belarus. And it's pretty, pretty serious. And uh, without this huge wave of uh, information about Belarusian uh, case, of solidarity, of people thinking about us, we couldn't manage by our own sources because we already used everything that we have to, to change. So that's why I'm asking for uh, solidarity and you know, interest toward Belarus and if you can influence on decision of your politicians regarding sanction and everything else, you can you can always do this. It's very important for us right now. Can you explain why Lukashenko was willing to risk international condemnation just to get a 26-year-old blogger? What is the significance of Roman Pratisyevich? Mm-hmm. And also, is this seen as weakness or strength by the Belarusian people, his action? That's a nice question. I asked my friends and colleagues about the reaction. Uh, how do they see the situation uh, regarding this plane and the action in general? And people are so frustrated because it's not only, you know, sign of kind of power. It's not. I think it's a sign of weakness and also craziness because nobody in a normal mind will never do something like that because actually he killed all the industry 
Bilavia, our state uh, in only one, you know, state airplane is completely blocked. There are no flights for Belarusians. We couldn't go via Ukraine. We couldn't go via uh, any European country. So only Russian direction is left for us, which is so bad. I never even could imagine something like that in reality. But right now we are blocked in our country. It's like uh, being in prison in the with a crazy, crazy guy inside, you know. And so, why he is so important? Simple answer: Telegram became the major threat for the government. Could you imagine just a messenger? But it's a tool for people to communicate. If you don't have normal access to television or radio because it's completely, you know, controlled by the government, you have only internet. If the major resources are blocked or or limited, you have only messengers to help you to unite your efforts to fight, like, to protest. Of course, Telegram became this tool and this first and more popular channel became super, super, super relevant during the protest because the first information uh, where the action is going to be, calls to unite for something uh, very important came from there, from this resource, this Telegram channel, which Roman uh, founded, um, I don't know, a few years ago, probably. And now they have like millions of um, users. So it's a, you know, pretty, pretty popular resource. And Lukashenko decided that it's a state terrorism and Roman is a terrorist together with his colleagues. And uh, as a terrorist, he should be prosecuted. And probably according to our standards, we still have death penalty. So terrorism is a reason for the death penalty. So you understand why. Personal enemy, person who is was a first hand in organizing of uh, independent activity and uh, post-electoral activity on streets and pretty, pretty popular resource. You couldn't block, you know, you couldn't just block Telegram. It's impossible. So probably that's why you couldn't kill all their independent thinking channels. Uh, and it's very annoying for regimes like ours. And do you think Russia was involved? Did Lukashenko coordinate with Putin? Of course, of course, I I do believe it was organized together with the Russian special services and intelligence. And um, right now you can see all the European and Ukrainian authorities are in one line. They denied their flying via Belarusian airspace and the Belarusian planes couldn't go via Ukraine and EU. But Russia is still helping, still assisting, and uh, all their official position of Russia is to support our regime in every single step, even very crazy measures. There is a thought, uh, many analytics are supporting that Russia is very interesting in making evil from Lukashenko. Why? Because then it will be so easy to take over the Belarus and to, you know, absorb Belarus, including the Russian Federation, whatever. Who knows? Is it 
possible right now or is planned for later, but it's definitely in minds of people who rule the Russia today. It could also help Putin in terms of getting at Ukraine as well. I know there are national security experts that are concerned about that. It's definitely part of the plan. Mm-hmm. One bright spot in this whole thing is the European Union acted more swiftly than I think I've ever seen them act on anything in terms of banning European flights over Belarusian airspace. Biden issued a relatively strong condemnation. What else can the West and Transatlantic Alliance do to make it clear that this sort of thing won't be tolerated and to hopefully deter things like this in the future? It's a good and tough question. Uh, on what can be really done. Like, I really appreciate this wave of uh, smooth action. And it's you right, it's never been before this way. Because even discussion of sanctions is taking so long sometimes that everybody just, you know, forget about it. And uh, a lot of sanctions, they just nominate. They just, you know, about everything but nothing concrete. So maybe now this is a chance to go further and make a real sanctions. What does it mean? Real sanctions means uh, direct sanctions for, let's say, money of the regime. Like people who are really uh, helping to launder, like money laundering process to organize this process for like inside and outside of Belarus. So hopefully now it's time for serious measures. Not just statements. Oh, we are so worrying about Belarusian situation. (laughs) Finally, you can act and you can do some normal steps. There are a lot of information like and recommendation what could be done and who could be in the list and whatever. So it's not a complicated measures and not so rocket science situation. It's just a willingness of politicians to do something concrete and serious to help Belarusian people to survive. Because everybody understands that it should be done and the situation will be even even worse if our our friends from, from West will ignore it. And since it's clear there's Russian involvement, should those sanctions be targeted at Russia as well? Regarding the Russia, of course, it's the situation is pretty connected and uh, Russian support this is a major reason why regime is still in place, I would say. Without Russian support, Lukashenko will never survive. It's impossible. All the money came from there. So, of course, it's interconnected in so many ways. Like before, it was at least some different vectors. But currently, it's only one Russian vector of cooperation for for Belarusian president. So if you don't think about this Russian vector, you will never be successful in the changes in Belarus. And one of the things that has me really concerned is that if the West's response is too weak, what we're doing is basically emboldening dictators around the world because they're all watching. Iran is watching. Turkmenistan is watching. And if they see Belarus and Lukashenko get away with this, 
they're going to feel like this is a page that they can take and use in their playbook. Do you have concerns about that at all? Honestly, it's an interesting point. And yes, you're right. If there are no reaction and no punishment for hijacking of plane, come on. We're giving a good example for all their crazy people around us that it's okay. It's a normal uh, normal step, you know, normal measure, how to prosecute your, your enemies and how to fight with political activism. Fantastic. And uh, so what could I say? If not serious measures will, will follow this uh, incident, <laughs> you can see like their uh, same steps from other piece of planet, as you already told. We should think about our common uh, interest and security. Security is also connected like globally. We could self and our neighbors, but about all the planet, I think so. Your question is pretty good. And uh, of course, it should be lesson we could do the same craziness. And finally, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about the situation? Oh, about the situation, I could say that I really frustrated and I told with my family in Belarus and the same idea as a really sad and maybe even depressed. Uh, we are isolated and we don't have even chance to leave the country. Because the land border was closed even before, since I could be mistaken, but I guess from December last year, three years the land border, the only channel to leave the country and come back to Belarus, it's a, a Minsk airport. And could you imagine, even now, we're losing the last chance to immigrate or to come back to Belarus if we really need it. For example, something happened with your family and friends, you need to come and it's pretty sad. So, of course, it's a first of touching our own interest like a normal, ordinary people. But uh, anyway, we are able to wait and to sacrifice our own interest in order to make possible future changes in a country. So, hopefully, this situation will escalate the conflict and escalate uh, their also attention to Belarus. And maybe it will be the trigger for future uh, changes, which will lead for the better future for all the country in the end. So I hope so. I think it's just a beginning and, uh, you know, situation will be escalated pretty fast. Mm, so this is their opinion that my friends and colleagues have. And let's see what will happen. So as for us, of course, you should understand with everything that happened. Um, and we understand that the regime is losing money, but we're losing our freedom, free, freedom to move. And uh, please think about poor Belarusians who are really like in prison in our country. <laughs> but come on, we can wait if it will help us to get rid of authoritarian regime. And uh, also the position of uh, my friends and colleagues is that we kind of have a civic war right now. We feel like our regime is fighting the old people, the population. The, like, you know, you don't need to be a super active political activist right now. You should be just 
person who would like to have some privacy and personal freedom. Uh, you can be in danger for, for everything. You can be in danger if you're wearing not the right clothes, I mean colors. You can be in danger if you have a special curtains on your uh, private home and private flat. You can be in danger everywhere, every single day. Uh, for instance, you can make a video of a poli police member doing something on the street and you will be arrested for this for 15, 20, 30 days or even longer. You can be arrested for years only for the small comment in social media regarding the police work for everything. And the new criminal law and media law is so insane that I'm going crazy thinking about it. It's It's even worse than North Korea, comparing with North Korea, seriously. It's never been so bad, as far as I remember. So it's going pretty bad regarding their overall situation in the country. But still, maybe this is a chance to, to win, finally, in the nearest perspective, because people couldn't stand it anymore for a longer time. I, I hope so. I hope the end is pretty near. And it will be a positive outcome. I really hope so. So we're not losing our hope. So thank you for your interest and for having me here because I can speak a lot about it because my heart is really worrying and hurt. But yeah, what could I say? We can only think about it, think about Belarus. And if you see like donation activism or something like that, you can always help for different Belarusian initiatives. Our thoughts and our prayers are indeed with the people of Belarus. And Hannah, it's so great to have had you on today to discuss this topic of such importance. Uh, Carla, is there any last thing you want to add to the conversation before we close things out? No, no. I, I just am honored that we were able to hear what you had to say, Hannah. Thank you so, so much. And we have a lot of hope for Belarus as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you guys. Hana, Carla, thank you again to you both for joining us today on Across the States. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Again, I'm your host, Matt Fisher, and be sure to join us again next time for more of this premier policy podcast, Across the States. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.